Welcome to Second Class Cinema, the show where we watch a B-movie and immediately discuss. But today, we are going to talk about... We're not doing it. We're not. <laughs> we're just not. <laughs> we're not your clowns. No, not today we're not. And I'm Tom, and I'm here with Brittany and Eric. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, hey. And it's the three of us. It's the OG crew. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. welcome. Thank, thanks for coming. <laughs> um, today, we're going to do something a little different. And, you know, for, for our show, when we have a guest come on, we always ask them, what's their relationship with B-movies? We never quite asked ourselves this question. We may have trickled in information during the course of, of the podcast. Yeah. But we've talked a lot about it off the record. Yeah, off the record. But now we're on the record yeah. today. We're Let, on it. Let's face it. We're fascinating. We are. We are. And, and you've listened to, you know, almost 90 episodes of this. So now we're going to give you some bless insight. Bless your hearts. God bless you all. <laughs> I don't know how you have the patience. <laughs> I don't. Um, but yeah, we're going to give a little insight as to our background on B-movies, um, just because I think it's about time. We've done this for a while, so... For sure. So let's do it. And, um, and at, the, at the end of this episode, um, we're able to get an interview with actor, filmmaker, uh, director Griff First. He's made uh, a ton of asylum pictures. Uh, he made some mockbusters early on. He's... He's quite the seasoned actor. He's in a ton of stuff. Very like, cool. Yeah, and he was a really cool guy. Um, Much so, better than Griff Second and Griff Third. <laughs> so always go with Griff First. There's a reason he's number one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we asked him what his relationship with B-movies is and talked to him about what it's like making mockbuster movies. And uh, he you know, threw out some of his new, picture, uh, some of his new projects. And uh, we'll play that interview a little later. But for now... Let's let's talk about us. Now you're stuck with us. So here we go. Eric. Yeah. <laughs> what's your relationship with B movies? All right. Um growing up my parents uh had kind of a, a tight clamp on what kind of media I took in, at least when it came to movies. Mm -hmm. So I never really got to experience, you know, maybe the R rated movies that you guys grew up with, like, you know, Terminator or Die Hard. You probably saw that when you were younger. Mm -hmm. Um but my, I remember my first real experience with with B movies and really uh, anything higher than you know PG thirteen uh, PG thirteen fair was um, the the story of Riccio, which was one of our very earliest episodes. Mm -hmm. um, my sister's boyfriend at the time, now now my brother in law, would uh, he was kind of a comic book nerd and he would bring over like anime or weird DVDs and stuff uh, every once in a while. And one day he brought over Riccio and he was like, Eric, I think you're gonna like this. <laughs> <laughs> And I right. Yeah. Oh no. Clearly, I still. I think I saw it when I was probably like twelve, thirteen, maybe. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Um, and I just remember like it blew my mind. I was like, "This is you can do this in movies. Like you're allowed." <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like the coolest thing to see. Um, you know, I, I was a big fan of Mortal Kombat at the time, still am, and it was really cool to see the equivalent of that on you know our shitty twenty inch CRT TV. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it was just the 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 just this mind bending experience for me to see all this stuff. Um. And I, I remember another movie that I brought over uh, was Mafia vs. Ninja, which was the first Godfrey Ho movie I ever saw. And it was a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just fascinated with how bad it was. Like, it, it really made... It was the first time I watched something, I was like, they didn't put any effort in this. Like, <laughs> this is the cheapest thing I could possibly imagine seeing. Um, now, was that far? Was that, like, way after Riccio? Or was it, like... That was probably a week after, <laughs> to be honest with you. Nice. Okay, so you yeah. started a routine. Yeah, and, you know, my sister worked at a Christmas tree shop, and she would bring home, like, the, the really shitty VHSs that they sold there. You know, Christmas for a tree shop. Christmas tree shop. <laughs> um, and then a little, a little while later, I got, like, really into um, Hong Kong blood operas. Uh, I think there was a point where I was watching The Killer maybe like once a week. Yeah. I had a problem. <laughs> that movie is excellent. You showed oh, me that movie. That, yeah. I was like so into it when yeah. you showed that to me. Yeah, I mean, that's not really a B movie, but maybe no. um, it's it's not really something you could ask anybody about and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I know The Killer, you know. So that's kind of the the, the closest relationship I would have with a B movie, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my background. Um, and then eventually I started hanging out with you guys. I, we would uh, go to Britney's basement <laughs> and, you know, you would have some piece of crap to show, like some terrible horror movie. Oh, yeah. And we would just sit there and drink and act like assholes while yep. we watched the worst thing in the world. <laughs> and that's kind of how I like really got into B-movies um, on a more regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then uh, more recently, um, we started doing the podcast and uh, that really brought me in. 
Um, and one of the big things, too, is the fact that you can just go on YouTube and someone's uploaded all these horrible movies that no one wants to put a DRM notice up for. So it's a lot more accessible than it used to be. Oh, my goodness. So it's, it's amazing. If you want to watch some garbage, like if you read about garbage, it's, <laughs> it's, it's there. there and you <laughs> do, probably don't even have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And no one's looking to no one has their hand out either. No. Yeah. They just, these movies are like long forgotten. Yeah. A, a lot of these people, honestly, a lot of them are just happy people are watching them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's or they're dead. Or they're dead. Or they, yeah. Uh, and no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's that's one of the fascinating parts of it. You know, yeah. I, I feel like uh, you know back in the day there was at least a small barrier to entry. You had to be near like a comic book shop or a movie shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't just walk to one of those from where I lived, so it was kind of out of my hands. Yeah. yeah. Or be glued to the TV at all times. Yeah. Exactly. Like I was. Yep. Same. And I, and and I, and I like how how we all come from our own background of having B-movies, mm. but when we all get together, we just kind of enabled this habit with each other <laughs> and then refined like our taste with each other. And yeah. then, and th- that was before we did this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like that, we were doing that for fun, for oh, yeah. kicks. And now it's, now it's a job. Now it's, so a, it's hard work. Shared it's love. real hard work. Yeah, this is so <laughs> This is some heavy lifting. You're telling me, man, watching all this stuff. <laughs> no, making time is the hardest part of exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. And finding new and exciting stuff to watch. I mean, everyone can watch The Room 76 times, but like, do you want to hear 76 people's take on it? Probably not. They're all probably going to be pretty similar. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so go listen to our uh, Room Spectacular Part 105. <laughs> A.K.A. the April Fool's A.K.A. Episode. an April Fool's episode, which actually I don't think we ever said on that episode. No. We didn't say April Fool's. <laughs> no, we didn't. So the joke's on us. <laughs> really, yeah. We fucked up. We're awful. And it'll be again when we do 2 of 5 next year. Yeah. <laughs> and forget to say April Fool's again. Can't and we even won't. do something wrong correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Um, all right, so Brittany, what's what's your background with B-movies like? Um, Fill us in. It's been weird. It's definitely started with horror movies when I was a kid. And if you've listened to any number of episodes, you probably know that I have a soft spot for horror slash comedy movies. Um, (laughs) Never never would have guessed. (laughs) Um, But yeah, actually, some of the movies that we've watched on here, like Monster Squad, My Boyfriend's Back, Mm -hmm. those are all movies that I just stumbled on as a kid that I just... There's something so lovable about them because I feel like as a kid and probably just a lot of people in general feel like the only movies that exist are like big budget movies with people you know in them. And like those are the only movies that are allowed to be created. And I feel like for a long time, that's how I thought Mm. until I stumbled on movies like this. And then I mentioned them to people and they were like, I've never fucking heard of that. Mm. Or there was there's this old Disney movie called Watcher in the Woods. And it's really fucking scary and creepy and not for kids at all. But no one's ever seen it. So my start was definitely in horror. Um, I've always been obsessed with horror. I've always watched movies that I wasn't supposed to watch. Oh, yeah. um, Although there weren't many of them. the Exorcist, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, The Exorcist. Every, I was every parent. Bitter disappointment when I watched it. Like, it's a great movie, but I was like, that's it? No, I truly loved The Exorcist when my parents allowed me to watch it, but I was like... Wait, your parents let you watch They still won't let me watch it. <laughs> oh. I can't believe you were shielding me from this. No, they gave me a t- they gave me an age limit. It was 14. I was, <laughs> when you're 14, we can show this to you. And I watched it, and I was like, guys, I could have watched that like four years ago. <laughs> I think I watched it when I was like 12, and I was like... That was good, but yeah, like, no, like it was you know, awesome. A little <laughs> fucked up, but yeah. Um, so really, fast forward to when I'm like fourteen, fifteen, and me and Brandon, yep, started hanging Friend out. Friend of the show, yes. Me and Brandon have been friends for a good like fifteen years now. Um, and he is like he probably knows more about horror than anyone I've ever met in my oh, life. Yeah. Um, so he started really getting in, me into like these lesser known films that I've never heard of. Um, stuff like well to me this was like B at the time when I was like 14 and never heard of it Sleepaway Camp um, that's definitely B like Just Before Dawn Don't Look in the Basement City mm-hmm. of the Living Dead um, stuff like that and I, I really just love them there's something so fascinating about just a passion project or something that is like a secret little gem that nobody knows about but you mm-hmm. um but it took me a long time to really appreciate B-movies. 
because I feel like I could just care less about a lot of them when I was younger. And then it got to the point where it was like, I honestly think Back from Hell <laughs> really dragged me into it. Really? In Florida. Because wow. that was the first, like all the movies I just listed, like Just Before Dawn and stuff, like they're B, but they're good. I mean, the yeah. stories are good. Technically, everything's good. You could be B and good. Yeah, totally. I they're, mean, that's what we pray for yeah, all the, the time. They're B and so much that you can't just walk up to someone on the street and be like, hey, you ever see this? Like, yeah, I probably exactly. won't know Um so stuff like that i always enjoyed um i mean i saw a lot of terrible shit that i didn't enjoy and brandon can attest to that (laughs) um but i feel like back from hell was the first thing that i watched and i was truly like baffled by it i I was just like what how who (laughs) and then i didn't watch it again for years Mm -hmm. and when i watched it again i was like this is even more amazing than i remember it right (laughs) (laughs) it gets better every time i honestly don't know what it is about that movie but yeah i feel like that's what really ramped me back into loving bihar interesting yeah, and when you when you bring up Florida oh, movies in general, yeah, yeah, and when when you bring up Florida, so I I went to film school in Florida. I was down there for two years, and uh, Thorin, as we had mentioned uh, in the our interview with Matt Jaisley, the director of Back from Hell, was the one who showed me that movie, and he has the same kind of <laughs> lo- lust for B movies as well, and especially B horror. So you know, Thorin, thank you again for fucking Back from Hell in my life <laughs> for enabling this. Yeah. For 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 having the 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 pause to be like, okay, I need to show this to people. <laughs> it's um, so funny how like yours rooted in like kung fu that type of martial arts movies yeah. and I know yours is hard deeply rooted or <laughs> like mine is. Yeah. I feel like it just comes from like going to Blockbuster and being like I've seen that cover so many times I have to rent it yeah, and then it. just buckling yourself in. Mm-hmm. The Peter Jackson VHS covers, both Dead Alive and Bad Taste, was like, you know what? <laughs> so stuck out. My brother-in-law brought over Bad Taste at one point, and that was another formative one for me. <laughs> that, that, that's a, and that's a great movie. <sighs> so good. It's like so much fun. Like you can watch that movie, and it's good. It's just a good flick. Um, and I think I think you know my my roots definitely come from the horror um, and just really cr- craving that experience to watch something in a crowd or in a group of people and just look at everyone else and be like, my God, did you see that too? Like, <laughs> like that was one of my favorite parts about it. And I think what really um, what really made B movies palatable to me um, was some of my, my my uncle who's a stand up comedian and. He's just a wacky guy. He's, he's awesome. <laughs> he's very wacky. Yeah. And so he, he used to have a, a video camera, and he used to just make silly movies with his roommates and, uh, and, and his family. And this stuff. sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and I, I remember specifically watching two, two movies he made, maybe even three, where it was just like, you know, he had like a lot of horror masks. He had a Predator mask, a Michael mask. He was so into it. And like they just made this little short film where there was like this fight with Michael Myers in this house and I was like fascinated with this movie I was like how did Michael because My- I kind of knew who he was I was like how did he get here like I didn't quite understand it still how old were you 25 uh, 28 yeah no I, I mean I was probably I mean I probably was like six and eight oh, okay, so I'm right, like right. so like super young so like you assume that your uncle made a new Halloween yeah movie. like I didn't get it and, and there was one specific movie he made uh, called The Killer Elf um <laughs> And he it was this like uh, this this hooded character who had this like you know shovel and this other he would just kill people and it was like in my opinion really well done mm. <laughs> because he had, it was like POV of this elf and I was like and he even made this own little theme for it and had a little soundtrack and I was like this is and then after I saw him do that and he's like yeah I made that and I was like I want to do that that's <laughs> what I want this is my first life. time hearing this this is pretty fascinating yeah like <laughs> this is what I want in life like I. I so much of my my interest definitely comes from my uncle like just he he gave me an army of darkness tape when i was like seven or eight and he's just like hey watch this that was cool uncle watch an army of darkness i remember seeing that and not having seen evil dead and being really like what the fuck is this yeah (laughs) i was really fascinated by it and then um like just just having that that flavor and you know my dad used to take me to the video store all the time video paradise was, was what it was called video today we used to just rent stuff and even when i was in like 
fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I would have these big sleepovers for my birthday. Yeah. Eric, you've been to them. Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I was 23 at the time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm on dog years. Uh, I, I would have these big sleepovers, and I would I would go to the store. My parents would allow me to rent a cheesy horror movie. Yeah. Like, I, one year it was Maniac Cop. Uh, <laughs> one year it was this movie called Truth or Dare, which I still have not seen again to this day. Ugh, I feel like I've seen that, and I feel like it was not good. I remember there was one scene specifically where this dude had like a grenade in his mouth, and we're just, <laughs> just like waiting for it to go off, and then it went off, and his head blew up. Uh, that was about it. <laughs> but all I really absorbed from that movie. But but that started to hone just me being in a group of people and wanting to watch poorly made things and I couldn't quite put my finger on it yet but always wanted to rent those types of movies and then it just kind of grew and uh, Brian Party someone who's been on the show friend of the show knows so much about movies and I met him in high school and he has a lot of the same interests and he likes those horror movies and in high school we would watch some trauma movies which now kind of make me cringe Um, but (laughs) that's a gateway drug it makes sense exactly (laughs) exactly and we were watching like all these weird things together and you know it's just you it's all about the 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 people you watch them with because watching them alone completely agree it's not is not fun lackluster like unless i'm really looking forward to seeing something then i'll watch it alone maybe but i want it to be as many people as possible it's all about like that group viewing and like a shared catharsis whether it's like humorous or being like shocked or something like that that's like the best part of it like you said you can look around and be like holy shit like did you just see the same thing that i just saw yeah you're like sharing an experience with yeah can, can i actually present a counterpoint to that very briefly like, yeah uh, <laughs> well i i do agree with that um for the most part lately i have been watching these very strange japanese cyberpunk movies <laughs> that you guys would absolutely hate so i'm not going to subject you to them <laughs> but like the weird body horror movies think like david cronenberg but like absolutely no narrative structure they're completely fucking weird but japanese so ten, of course, ten yeah. times worse but they give me this when i watch them by myself i get this vibe of stumbling across something i'm not supposed to watch when i'm eight and oh, it God. makes me feel really weird and for some reason i'm craving that effect lately i just want to bring that up interesting uh, no but that's, that's that's like another that's like that's you're on steakandcheese.com and you found yeah. like a picture of someone who blew their head off exactly yes. i don't i don't want to actually look at that so this is like a good replacement for that boy that's an old reference yeah, yeah. sorry holy shit that dude. one stayed with me yeah. as you can tell yeah i feel like it's a craving that yeah. you get and then you know in uh when i went to school in florida uh my you know when you're when you're with other film students mm-hmm. there's like a like a born <laughs> appreciation for just all things cinema so i feel like that the tolerance to watch these movies are higher so we would get like eight people together and we would just watch garbage and one of those pieces of garbage was arguably my favorite b movie of all time which is back from hell mm-hmm. uh because that just encapsulates everything that i feel is something that i wanted to achieve when i was younger and something that's entertaining and like someone wanted to make that and you can tell someone wanted to it wasn't just a money grab that some b movies are it was like a passion like it's not yeah like is it a good movie not really but you can tell that people really tried yeah to make it and the fact that he was like what 19 when he made that or something insane yeah something really like that's a decent job for a 19 year old who has no prior experience in filmmaking yeah like he had a story to tell (laughs) and he told it and it was such a great time and uh yeah i know i feel like watching that and i wanting to show that to people is also what it's about like i want to share these experiences oh yeah especially when you got one like that that you know they haven't seen yeah (laughs) (laughs) even though brandon we told him about it he he explained back from hell he's like i don't know he's like wait is that the one where like the hand comes out of the book (laughs) we're like fucking dude yeah oh you remembered the best practical effect from the entire movie yes that is what we're talking about i'm like what episode was brandon on for friday the 13th five and uh, kindred kindred Kindred, yes. Yeah, kindred. I kept wanting to call that the brood, and I knew that that was wrong. Yeah, no, he, close enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anthony. Anthony. Kindred was a great time, <laughs> and I feel bad that I kind of was re- a little reserved on my, my rating, because in retrospect, it was fucking perfect. <laughs> I feel like that about a lot of the movies we watch. Like, when I think about them in retrospect, I'm like, man... I really enjoyed that, even though I'm pretty sure I gave it a mediocre review at the time. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it, like, we're t- not to go on about it, no. but it has to do with who you watch it with mm-hmm. and how good of a time you have while watching it. For sure. Not necessarily anything that the movie is doing. 
Yeah, like I, I have very fond memories of us going to see Unfriended, and I think that has transitioned <laughs> to me thinking I like Unfriended. I'm pretty sure if I watch it again, I'd be like, oh. You know what? I think we threw it on HBO one day, and we watched like a bit of it, mm-hmm. and we still laughed. Okay. Yeah, it's. It, I, I mean, I'm sure that's unfriended. not the reaction that we're going for, but <laughs> no, I think with you got a reaction out of us, so congratulations. <laughs> I honestly think with most horror movies that they don't, they would not mind if you were laughing. No, they wouldn't mind. With yeah, most. Unless it's something highbrow. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which I can't even think of anything off uh, the top of my head. I know, like The Brood. Yeah. Um, yeah. David Cronenberg has never laughed in his life. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, <laughs> all right, so I mean, I kind of I kind of discussed what I thought my one of my favorite B-movies was, and I think that's Back from Hell. Um, and so what about you guys? What, what, what would be some of your favorite uh, B movies. Chong Lee, Chong Lee, Chong Lee. <laughs> okay. Can I just say, I discovered Bloodsport within the last two years. I cannot stop watching Bloodsport. <laughs> Bloodsport's fucking amazing, you guys. Yeah. Bloodsport's I think it's really good. I think there was a point a couple of months ago where I watched it three times in one day. Wow. It is just my idea of a fucking watchable B movie that showcases the talents of its actors, mm-hmm. which are the martial arts. There's not really any good acting in that movie, but it's so much fun to watch. <laughs> and. I feel like that is just a shared experience you can have with other people if they haven't seen it, or if they have seen it, you can. It's win-win. If they haven't seen it, you get to introduce them to a great John Claude Van Damme movie. And there's a lot of people that make fun of John Claude Van Damme. That maybe have never even <laughs> Can't seen his movies. Can't imagine why. Of course, I mean, there's good reason, but there's so many people that just no. I was use... being serious. I can't oh. imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking rules. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I get why people talk shit about Steven Seagal. Right. Of course. He well, still rules. But, but <laughs> I mean, a lot of those B tier guys just get shit on for almost no reason. Yeah, just for existing. They were clearly good at some point, and Bloodsport's a great example of that. He's fucking awesome in that movie. Well, and what's good about Bloodsport in particular is that I'd say a lot of people know Bloodsport, and mm-hmm. a lot of people have seen Bloodsport. Yeah. So I think like if someone has the taste and they go like, oh man, I love Bloodsport, then you know that that's someone who's capable of really... You can bring them in deeper. Yeah, exactly. Of really going deep. Uh, Brittany, what about you? I have too many. Well, so what are some... I really want to go with like a youngin, like my boyfriend's back. Mm. Because that movie I saw when I was like six. Yeah. And it stayed with me until I saw it at like a movie stop 10 years ago and was like, holy shit, this movie exists (laughs) on DVD. Yeah. I thought they um, burned it. <laughs> but honestly, I think I'm going to have to say Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Because it, will, it has so many lines that are just perfect. The, it's so like well acted. Like not, not that the actors in it were amazing, but it's convincingly acted. Yeah. It's, it's weird to see kids acting that way. Yeah. That and I mean, it's the 80s, so they're all improper, which is great. <laughs> um, the ending of that movie did not get spoiled for me prior to viewing it. Me so either. I had no idea that there was even like a twist coming. Um, and it definitely <laughs> scarred me and like stayed with me forever. And that's always something that when people are like, oh, I don't wa- watch enough quote unquote bad movies. I'm like, you have to watch Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. Like if you want a movie that's good, just well-made and enjoyable that's also really fucked up yeah sleep boy camp for sure i mean <laughs> anything slasher based is something that's for me always seemed really accessible because even when i was making bullshit pictures like but like with my high eight video camera and like rope my friends in from the mall on a friday night <laughs> and and like you know dennis who was on the show and and stuff like that we like we would get together at my house and we would make a slasher mm. like that's we do it every week and there's so much you can do with it i know and like it's just such an accessible thing and i think that's why i like watching them so much because even as a kid it was you know friday the 13th and i was i always just liked that mm. it was always so appealing <laughs> this is what? completely unrelated oh go for it so let's do it <laughs> what was that a houseboat movie we oh my god houseboat horror houseboat horror who that was, was the killer in that movie uh, oh shit was, what was it um, um it was a man <laughs> truly the greatest monster <laughs> <laughs> Houseboat Horror was recommended to us from Owen at Bad Movie Sunday. Yeah. Um, and he's recommended it with another movie. And we watched Houseboat Horror and Planet where we were just like, yeesh. Yeah, we just went to bed instead. <laughs> we did. And we were going to watch like, the other this one. This is going nowhere. We watched the whole thing and then we're just like, nah, I'm not going to do an episode. Yeah, we're like, that was, that was, uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I mean, we had, like, that was when we had fun watching yeah. it. Yeah. But due to no fault of the movie, 
we had nothing to talk about. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sometimes were, it happens. Yeah. I mean, there was the one guy that looked like Macho Man Randy Savage. We, yeah, yeah. Animal. He was awesome. He was great. And that was about it. I don't know why <laughs> I just brought that up. I was thinking of slashers and just like all the different shit you can do with them. Well, like, I mean, well, what, what, and then I was the, like, oh, I can't remember anything about that movie. Yeah. What, what's, what's the, uh, uh, the perspective horror, uh, slasher movie that we've been talking about, Uncle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're surprised it hasn't been done. Where a killer uncle goes around <laughs> doing cool uncle doing things. Doing cool uncle things, killing people. Yeah. And at one point in the trailer, <laughs> he goes, he'll make you say uncle. And we bring up the name of the movie. Yeah. You just want to use that line. That is the only basis for uh, it. Well, no, he's also going to give some, he's going to noogie someone he's to death. He's going to noogie someone to death. Yeah. Like put his fist through our skull. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was it's going to be uh, going, like, keep going. It's, it's going to be electricity. Smoky. Yeah. Electricity. Yeah. Yep. All right. And then he's also he's, going to, he's going to be in a band. Mm-hmm. Sounds and like the pull destroyer, but with an uncle. Yeah, definitely destroyer esque <laughs> for sure. If Lyle Azada would still be around, we would cast him as the uncle. <laughs> oh, he'd definitely be the uncle. Oh, man, I wish I was like this old in the eighties, so I could like make these things and have it be okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I make these now, they're not okay. <laughs> it's not good. Um, no, you can go VOD. You'll make like ten bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Reagan in the ten dollars in envelopes. <laughs> Um. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, on ourselves on on our B movie experiences uh, and no, anything I, moving I forward? I give myself a fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> you are great, Eric. Oh, thanks, Tom. <laughs> You're great. I give I give you guys a fuck yeah. Thanks, dude. Y'all are my best friends, and I love watching movies with you. Yeah, wouldn't it be the same if it wasn't do, uh, doing a people you love, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's true. We do this together. Because we're good at it together. Friends forever. Yes, Miami Connection, <laughs> which is also fantastic. Like, uh, and and I, uh, real quick too, uh, as a final thought, I feel like, I feel like I really wished I had the access to these B movies uh, when I was a kid. Because, sooner, sooner, mm-hmm. because like things like Miami Connection, Samurai Cop, and I feel like we've said this on a ton of episodes. I wished I saw this when I was younger yeah. because it would have made such an impact on me. Yeah, and I can sense it. It still makes an impact on me. Oh like, yeah, like some of the movies that we've discovered through doing this show are some of my favorite. Oh yeah, <laughs> like Rad. I wish I saw that as a kid. Oh my god, Rad I wish fantastic. I saw Rad as a kid. Like oh. Rad would have been perfect for me. Like when I was twenty-two. No lie. I would have like been obsessed with Rad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like watching Miami Vice every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have Christopher back and watch that uh, 1980s Josh Brolin skateboarding movie. That's right. Oh, hell yeah. We need to get extreme with Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> extreme sports. With Christopher Brown. <laughs> Not Brian Cumble. Um, yeah. So that's it, right? Yeah. We're good? I think so. All right. I think well, I've said my piece. I think so too. And I, and I hope... enough self congratulating yeah and, and, and i hope as listeners that you now find us a little more qualified or a lot less qualified <laughs> or a lot less qualified <laughs> depending lot on who annoying. it is <laughs> or that much more annoying now um i know we've gotten some comments of people who call us whiny wait we've got comments like that <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we got Did one I, <laughs> no we're not supposed to say that a lot of people have been coming <laughs> telling us we whine too much and we don't sell enough prednisone <laughs> Which is a real problem. <laughs> I didn't mean we got one comment in general. Especially for one fr- saying we whined. Yeah. Saying I, I whined specifically. It was. He was really mad at you. I know. Some guy was really mad at me Some guy for, laid into for calling Neil Breen out on his fucking rampant sexism. Well, it's the internet. You can't do that. And his primitive ego. <laughs> yeah. And then accused you his, of having a primitive ego. He said that um, his primitive ego was threatening my own yes what What does that mean something like that i have no fucking idea but the best part is that this person deleted their (laughs) well and you know what we only know about it because tom got an email from youtube yes and if you're listening just post it again because i want to know what you had to say like because the the youtube email i get only shows so much of the comment and there's more there yeah and we want to laugh at it and i want and i want to read it i want to know what you thought (laughs) like i want to know i don't care but i want to know i care (laughs) i care it's uh, it's interesting to me. Yeah, you want to read these B comments <laughs> <laughs> on a B podcast about B movies. There we go. Yeah, maybe if it was anything else, but I'll never care about what anyone thinks about what I think about Neil Breen. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> I barely care about what I think about Neil Breen. I care what you think about Neil Breen more than I think you care. About <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Which is why I care about what he thinks about you thinking about Neil Breen. We assume it's a he. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's a dude. Definitely, that, that was. De- he <laughs> I've been on the internet long enough. That's definitely a dude. He commented that comment. through the male gaze for sure. 
Um, all right. So I guess without uh, further ado, we'll get to uh, the Griff first interview and uh, you can hear what uh, he has to say. Yay! Whoa. Someone who's way more qualified than we are. <laughs> Yay! Okay, you clowns, cut the crap. All right, uh, welcome to Second Class Cinema. I'm Tom. I'm here with uh, director, actor, filmmaker, Griff First. Hey, Tom. How's it going today? Fantastic. Just busy and and running around and doing all those things that you gave me in my title producing <laughs> acting i've done i've done all of them today and i'm about to edit once we get off the phone ah a man of many trades yeah indeed um all right so this is really easy on me when we start an interview um i start with the same question so uh griff what's your relationship with b movies oh my relationship with b movies yeah um, I've, I've been I've been messing with them for so long. Uh, I uh, when I when I first graduated high school is when I first started acting, um, and uh, one of the first companies to hire me when I started acting, I was eighteen, nineteen years old, was uh, the Asylum, who was infamous for their B movies, mm. um, and so uh, they quickly hired me to just do so many of them as an actor. And somewhere along the way, I told the producers over there, I said, you know the directors that you have i can i can i can definitely direct these movies if you ever need a director and a couple of weeks later they called me and they asked me to start directing these b movies but before that i mean i was i was like a video store rat i'm sure like many of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s were awesome um, i was born in 81 um so you know like waiting outside the store for the place to open and i probably consumed every vhs and then dvd that they had in stock at the time. So studio movies I obviously loved, but I would run out of those and I would move on to B movies from killer clowns to outer space to like obscure shit that I probably it doesn't even exist on DVD. <laughs> you know, it's just on VCH, VHS. Um, so I've, I've always, I've always loved all kinds of movies. Um, and um, I always appreciated when I found a movie that was not really well known, usually because it was a low budget indie, but it was still a great story, really well told with the assets that the, that the filmmakers had. So uh, I'm a fan of movies, and um, I definitely don't uh, definitely don't shy away from B movies. Um, I, I have no problem consuming them or making them as well. <laughs> uh, that's 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 excellent. Um, now, so you were a uh, you know a movie store guy. So did you have a favorite B movie you watched? Just out of curiosity here. Um, you know, I I tended to like anthology movies a lot when I was younger. Right. Like. Um, and I would watch those just over and over again. For some reason, they, they, I just love them, like Tales from the Dark Side, um, which there's a bunch of them. But there's one anthology movie with like a little troll doll on the cover. Um, <laughs> there's one called um, a, a producer that I work with now all the time produced the movie, and I can't. It's, it's just escaping me right now. It's like these three kids on the cover. There's this campfire. It is called I think Sean Astin is in it. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh... It's not Campfire Tale, no. It's it might be Campfire Tales. Okay. I mean that sounds really familiar. It might be Campfire Tales. <laughs> sounds I just, right. I love the anthology stuff, and um, and I was a huge fan of All Friday the Thirteenth. So I don't know if that's t technically a B movie. Um, yeah, but certainly like the latter Friday the Thirteenth and like even the later Psychos feel like B movies. But I still I still loved them. Yeah. I think the interesting thing with B-movies is that it can both apply to how it's made and what the content is. You can just kind of pick. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, um, so back with working with The Asylum, so you, you kind of just, you came in as an actor and you were just like, yo, I can direct these too. Yeah. Yeah, but you're like, I never, I never really intended on being a director, but I hmm. grew up in the film industry. So I've been on set ever since before I can remember, like my father's office. He's also a filmmaker. Oh, you know, okay. it's all pictures of us when we're kids on the set of different movies. So, like, before my earliest memory, I've been on set, so it's kind of instinctual, hmm. you know. So, um, you know, as I was acting in these movies and, you know, watching, there's a lot of B-movies get made, obviously. You know, watching them get made, it, it just seemed to me that I could, I could, I could excel at, at doing the same thing. So I just kind of raised my hand, and they're like, sure. And then I turned in, uh, I just consistently turned in good product for them. Um, so they, they kept hiring me and kept hiring me, and now I, I produce and finance and distribute my own. Um, yeah, because I, I learned how to do that. All, all through these. So, so the asylum kind of contributed to you, you know, refining your craft to do what you currently do. 
He refining the craft. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, I love the guys at Asylum. I mm-hmm. actually sat down with them uh, two weeks ago, and we had a great chat. I oh, checked awesome. out a little bit of their new Sharknado, and you know, just caught up because I, I hadn't seen them in a minute. Um, but I love the guys because they, you know, they invited me to do cool stuff that nobody was inviting me to do when I was a youngster, and it was really just the greatest film school ever because you get paid to basically do whatever you want. You know, they give you a a script and it's probably, you know, mediocre or it's a mockbuster. Or it's not going to really, you know, it's not going to go in the theaters and it's not going to make you a big famous director, but it is an awesome film school. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's not, there's no artistic training there. It's strictly technical. You know, it's like, here's yeah. the camera, here's your DP, here's your line producer. And you have two weeks to make this movie and edit it. And you have a hundred thousand dollars go. You know, so it's almost like a 48-hour film festival, but it's a job. <laughs> but there's no, like, there's no mentor, you know, to, to you, you know, to, to school you on your, you know, your artistic direction on the scene or anything like that. So I had a different school for that, which helped. But I think mixing those two together was really valuable. What was that kind of pressure like making, like, these style movies, these mockbusters? Well, um, you know, it's the pressure... It's funny because the pressure is it's, – it's really not that much, especially if you're a kid coming into it. And maybe that's why they like younger people. Well, also because younger people will work for the rates they need them to work for. Oh, yeah. Um, but also it's like you have no – like my brother, for example, is a composer. And he works on big studio movies. He did Need for Speed, um, an act of valor. Before that, he's doing another big one right now. So his concept of a schedule is much different than mine having started – at the asylum. So, but we still work together. So we just did a new movie for the sci-fi channel. It's coming out in about a month and he did the music and the sound for me. And it's so hard for him to fathom doing what he needs to do. And I gave him a good schedule. I gave him like six weeks. Oh, wow. That's, that's all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. It's all the time in the world, but he's used to having six months and 80 people working for him. So, you know, it's like there was no pressure because there was no, you know, frame of reference. Obviously I've been on studio sets my whole life, but I was never the one working. So when they say you have two weeks to do it, you just have two weeks to do it and you, and you get it done. And it's, it's, I think it's really nice practice because it allows you, then you know how to do things fast if you need to do them fast. And then if you have the luxury of slowing them down, then you, then you, then that's, that's a luxury in the future. But you know, I, there's few people I think that can turn around products so fast, um, that haven't, haven't worked there. Cause it's usually a demand that's not put on filmmakers. Now, were you like, were you in the loop with, um, kind of like, deciding what you made or were they just like oh we have this script here you go good luck no not at all oh, yeah okay. there's there's no there's the, the filmmakers aren't really involved in the development at least over there um you know and then a- after i worked there i uh, i worked for another company um called active entertainment and i made about 14 mm. movies for them a lot of them were b movies sci-fi movies and like lifetime thrillers and there, I'd say you have a, a little more control over what you make, but not really because it all runs through the network. So the entire time you're developing titles that you think that the network will like. It's not really like, what do I want to make at all? That has nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? It's like, what do I think the network will think the audience will like? So you kind of start from there and you pitch ideas like Ghost Shark. You know, not because <laughs> I'm really hungry and excited to make Ghost Shark, but because I think that that's appropriate for their audience. Um, Yeah, yeah. But is that something that also, you know, your your history with these types of movies, do you think it contributed to being able to make those types of movies kind of, you know, maybe easier than other people? Just my my kind of love for them at a young age. Yeah, yeah. Like watching B movies and, you know, enjoying those, you know, anthology type movies and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it's just, you know, it's in you. The Willies, by the way, is the name of that movie. Oh, nice, nice. I haven't seen it in <laughs> 20, 30 years. I don't know. Like, But I loved it for some reason when I was, I would have been 10 years old when it came out. Like, love that stuff. <laughs> um, sure, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, I think that's always, that's always a part of it. I always love sci-fi and, and horror. So the opportunity to make them and, you know, having the scene all the movies, like you have a certain understanding of how the gags work and how tension works and how to make puppets look good and all that stuff. So certainly, certainly it helped, even if it was just in some kind of subconscious way. Cool. Um, let's transition to kind of what you're working on now. Uh, you have this new movie. The next two movies I have coming out that are complete, I have a couple that are, we're actually producing at the moment, but the next two to be released, one is called Atomic Shark, which is a sci-fi channel movie for 
Sharknado week, they call it. <laughs> and um, nice. I got a little memo saying that it was a very, very strong movie for that week. So it's going to kick off Sharknado week on July 24th. Uh, Sunday, July twenty fourth at nine p.m. and it's exactly what you think it is. I mean, we made it. We, we we made it a comedy. I mean, I I consider it a comedy, an action comedy, through and through. And I think that they do too. It's like a just a really goofy, fun shark movie. It's very much a kindred spirit of Swamp Shark or Ghost Shark, which are two other shark movies I've made. <laughs> well versed um, in shark. Yeah. So, so that one's coming out uh, July fourth. I'm uh, sorry, July twenty fourth. Um, and then I have a movie, which is a, it's a more serious movie. It's called Cold Moon, um, mm. which is based on a book written by Michael McDowell, who is the gentleman who wrote the screenplays for both Beetlejuice and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a great horror movie. And that's like, Cold Moon is really what I loved growing up. Because I, like, I, didn't, I didn't love like the, the B-movies, B-movies growing up. Like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, I wasn't after like... The so bad it's good when I was growing up. Although Killer Clowns from Outer Space is pretty awesome, and that's so bad it's good. But I was uh, over. Uh, I was I was definitely after like indie indie stuff that's just like really cool and maybe a little under the radar. And that's that's what I did with Cold Moon. It's just like an excellent story. Has that kind of tales from the dark side, Twilight Zone, really kind of creepy feel that has some mystery to it. And I just I read the book and I love the book, so I made it into a movie. And I love I love the cast. I love the movie, and it's much more along the lines of what I kind of fell in love with as a as a audience when I was a kid, and now as a filmmaker. So that's kind of one for me. Atomic was kind of one for for all the B movie shark loving people. And <laughs> don't get me wrong, I love that movie so much. I love Atomic Shark way more than I should love Atomic Shark. But Cold <laughs> Cold Moon is very much more me. So I do have just um, just some kind of a random question. I'm just going to pull out of here. Uh, what, what's the favorite project you've worked on? Um, actor, director, anything. My memory is so bad that I always I always revert to like my most recent projects. Um, well, that's okay. Uh, I just I finished Magnificent Seven um, a couple months ago. It was pretty pretty recent. Um, the one that's coming out in September. And oh, all right, you know, great experience. It's it's. I probably say my favorite projects that I worked on are my biggest my biggest budget projects because you just have <laughs> more luxury. You have you have better everything. You know, you have better <laughs> trailers. You have better money. You have better food. You have better screenplays. You know, so that that was a great uh, great script to work on. Got to work with some you know great actors and and all that jazz. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Magnificent Seven is probably one of my one of my favorite ones to work on. Awesome. As an actor, and then as a director, yeah, it's tough to say. Actually, Atomic Shark was pretty damn fun. We 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 shot in Puerto Rico. Um, everybody on the set, actors, crew, I, I had worked with before. And it was just kind of, it was very last minute. This is the network ordered the movie very last minute. So we just kind of immediately went to Puerto Rico, called some old friends that we worked with before, like Jeff Fahey, Bobby Campo, mm-hmm. um, David Faustino, who's Bud Bundy. You know, I just yeah. called all these cats up that I knew and just invited them down. And surprisingly, nobody turned me down on my offer. It was like the first week of January, we started shooting. So nobody had really figured out what they were doing that year. So it was, it was really easy just to, it's to get people to come down and play. So it was just a bunch of friends in Puerto Rico for two months. It was awesome. Well, that's excellent. I mean, that's an interesting trick too. Shoot early January. Um, yeah, I always <laughs> thought December because people, you know, like Cold Moon, we shot in December, and I figured that would be a good one because nobody's really working because the industry shut down. But people want to spend time with their family. Shooting in January was good because everybody's like, "All right, we took the holidays. Let's get back to work." So literally, everybody hopped on the plane. And I didn't have to call two people for any position. First oh, wow. call. Ideal, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so happen. shoot in January in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what do you what do you prefer doing? Acting, directing? Like, what's? It's usually a grass is always greener scenario. It's <laughs> like I do prefer acting. It's my first love. It's what I do. Uh, it's what I what I'm best at. It's where I'm most comfortable and happy at. Um, but it's a it's a it's a tough gig for an actor. So, which is why I kind of started doing a lot of things early on, so I could really have a career doing other things. But um, so when I'm directing, I really long to be acting just cause I love doing it. And it's also so much easier, um, by easier, I mean like less, less time intensive. Like you, I, I, as an actor, I feel like you have a shot at a normal life cause you don't come in exactly at call time. Sometimes you're wrapped early. Sometimes you get a day off so you can still spend time with your family with independent film when I'm directing or producing. It's such a, it's so grueling, man. It's like 
minimum 14 hours. I've sometimes you're like 18 hours or, or just more because you have to figure out, you know, some, something happens. You have to rework the schedule. So you stay up all night reworking the schedule or you didn't make your day before. So now you got to figure out how to fix that. And <laughs> the beauty about acting is just you go and you do your thing and all that stuff is somebody else's problem. Um, but then when I'm acting for a long time, when I haven't directed in, you know, I don't think a year's gone by that I haven't directed, but when a certain amount of time goes by, I'll start wanting to tell the story from start to finish. I'll start kind of longing for that. But so it, it's tough because I always want to do the one that I'm not doing, but I'm, I'd say consistently I'm definitely happiest acting it's just because it's so natural for me. Uh, have, how many times have you done the actor director card? Has that happened? I hate that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I did it. I did it one time. The second movie I ever did, um, and I only did it because an actor dropped out right at the last second. And unfortunately, it was one of the lead actors. And it, the performance is fine, but it was just it was just it just wasn't for me, and it wasn't right now. Um, and so I've been been staunchly against that since that experience. And you know, Mel Gibson's great at it. Woody Allen's great at it. Um, Clint Eastwood can do it. You know, I, I don't even want to mess with that unless I have some more money and some more time. Just like with that amount of hours, it's like to make your day, to get all the shots you want, and then to have to go to makeup and hair and memorize your lines and like work on work it out from an actor's standpoint. It's just to me, I think it's just way too much work on an indie. Oh yeah, I would just I would really need a lot more a lot more time if I wanted to if I wanted to cross that bridge again. Although I do do for the first time. Like ever, I do. I I do. A, I play a small role in Atomic Shark. Oh, right, that's cool. Out of necessity, we thought we were going to get Guy Fieri to play the celebrity <laughs> chef. It was really just a cameo. Yeah, um, and he dropped out right at the last minute, so I had to jump in and do the thing. But it was cool because it was like one day, he just knocked it out. So like cameo, all right, I dig it. But like, no way do I have any interest in doing a lead unless I become so hot as an actor that it's beneficial to the project from a financial standpoint. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's that's huge shit, man. I, I can't, I couldn't even imagine. Um, all right, so so we'll wind we'll wind down here. Um, what what's kind of next after? Uh, so Cold Moon's coming out. Like, what what do you plan on uh, accomplishing after that? What's well, I'm gonna go to a lot of festivals of Cold Moon, so that's gonna keep me busy. Um, we're gonna go to Comic Con. We're gonna go to a lot of the international festivals and all the a lot of the horror festivals that take place in like September and October. For Cold Moon, mm-hmm. um, I'm currently making a movie called Sabash Nadu. It's a Bollywood movie, oh. um, and I'm playing like a James Bond type guy uh, in this Bollywood movie. It's very interesting. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they have a, a, a bit of a different process than we have, but amazing people, amazing food at craft service. Oh my god, I can um, imagine. Yeah, it's great. And so I have to go to um, I have to go to India for three weeks at the end of this month. Um, and then, uh, and then we'll see what else is happening. I have so many irons in the fire and so many stuff, so much stuff in various levels of production. We're doing a faith-based movie right now that's in pre-production, and I'm talking to the guys at Sci-Fi about doing a horror movie with them and a female thriller for Lifetime. So, lots of stuff on the horizon. That's excellent, man. You sound super yeah. busy. Yeah, very busy. It's the only way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be gotta be efficient, which I'm I'm always working on being more efficient. That's <laughs> many projects. Um. Yeah, man. I think. Uh. I, I think I'm. I'm satisfied. I think we're good here. Thank you so much for for your time. Uh, talking about Mockbusters Asylum. Uh, your new projects and uh, just pretty much being awesome, man. Thanks, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. So thanks again to Griff first for giving us his time and uh, you know talking about B movies with us and uh, yeah, it was a great time. Really yeah. appreciate the time. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Always appreciate when anyone takes time out of their lives to bother talking to us. Right? <laughs> My mind was blown when we got to talk to Matt Hannon, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was... If that Matt was... ever listens to our podcast again, I want him to know that I look at the Samurai Cop 2 poster on our wall every day it's... and smile. He yep. protects this household, really. He <laughs> does. He does. No, that's like front and center of the office. Like That's like our prized possession in this room. <laughs> and our, our friends don't understand it. We get a house fire. That's the first thing I'm saving. Oh, you know, I haven't. She's <laughs> just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I'm gonna push you out of the way to get to the poster. Brittany will be on the ground. I understand. <laughs> Save yourself. Yeah. Save the poster. <laughs> I throw it out the window. We both burn alive. The <laughs> house is just a crumbling, smoldering pile of rubble. There's one fucking pristine Samurai Cop 2 autograph poster framed. On the and then- side. <laughs> 
Adam walks by and says, what the hell is this? And he lights it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then our lives are over. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, this has been Second Class Cinema. We talked about our relationship with B-movies because it was about damn time. Yeah, we've been doing this for like a year and a half and we barely talk about ourselves what we actually like (laughs) we're actually approaching the two-year mark because we started we recorded our first back from hell episode in october holy shit Uh, it's august now so we're we're really approaching that two-year mark time flies guys yeah it definitely does so um you know if you'd like more information on second class cinema you can head on to facebook facebook.com slash second class cinema if you'd like to listen to our program anywhere else other than where you're listening to it right now, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SecondClassCinema.com, FollowingFilms.com, and you can reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, our email, SecondClassCinema at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment on YouTube, too. Yeah. On, and yeah. If anyone listens to that Neil Breen episode on YouTube, which is an hour and 45 minutes, God bless your fucking heart. <laughs> <laughs> I know people keep listening and keep commenting and it blows my mind. Dude, I don't understand why that. I mean, I think the world is just starved for Neil Breen content. So yeah. they see. I mean, hour. he's only one man. <laughs> he can only make so sure. many movies a year uh, and fucking pass through fucking ruled. Oh, my God. OK. Yeah. Any, anyone out there that hasn't seen it yet? Try to find the time. Yeah. Try Run. See, don't walk. Try and see if it's playing in your in your city and get buy tickets in advance. It's sold out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so also I just want to say thanks to all of the guests that we've had over yes. the years. Uh, our frequent flyers like Aaron and Tyler and Taryn and Brian and, and Christopher and, and everyone. Fallon. Brandon, Brandon. Fallon. Um, <laughs> are we missing anybody? Ashley, who was on for one? Samurai Cobb. Jimmy. Yes, Samurai Cobb. Jimmy, who's a blowhard. Uh, <laughs> Okay, he's never gonna. He's not. To he doesn't listen. So uh, I don't even know if he's listening to the ones he's on. So I'm gonna leave this in, <laughs> and maybe he'll bring it up. Maybe he won't. This is how we find out. This is how we find out. <laughs> on his deathbed, he's gonna be like, "I know you called me a blowhard. <laughs> I don't forgive you." And he's gonna die. And then he's gonna die. And I'm gonna be like, "Okay, <laughs> sorry, buddy." Uh, no, I love you, Jimmy. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for uh, making it pretty pretty cool. Almost two years. Yeah, definitely yeah. for bringing all your knowledge and expertise and fun loving selves to our show yep and that's it no more dick sucking <laughs> we're done <laughs> that was Brittany. she did it she sucked the dick she did it 